This is the day which the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Hello, Metro FM family. This is your brother Jonathan from DHL Ministries, joining you again on this beautiful Wednesday night to deliver a message and share with you what God has been showing me in the book of Revelation chapter 19. I thank you guys for joining me consistently. I know the WhatsApp group has been very involved in receiving the notes and I'm happy to be able to come and join with you again this evening. The message is really clear to me and what I'm happy about right now, what I am joyful about right now is I had a plan for this message, but God has directed the steps. And that's always a wonderful time when the Lord overrides or redirects something that you had planned. And not that what I had planned was a bad thing, but I believe he has a message for us right now that will help us to see more clearly and understand him more fully and even bring others unto himself. Praise God. So we're in chapter 19 and we're going to back it up a little bit, a couple of verses from where we left off last time. So if you're new to the program, please go ahead and get your Bibles. This time is going to go fairly quickly, but there are notes you can take. And then, of course, if you join the WhatsApp group, you'll get all of the notes and cross-references that I have compiled and am using for this message. Amen. I'll tell you how to join at the end of the message. Praise God. Well, from the King James Version, we're going to read verses 15 through 21, and then we'll let the Spirit of the Lord continue to lead us. Amen. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Now, I doubt that you have ever heard this section, or maybe that it isn't, it definitely isn't a prominent section of scripture to preach from a pulpit. The wrath of God in general is not often talked about or emphasized or given equality in his character with his grace. In fact, in today's day and age, there is much more emphasis on God being uh, tolerant and about his love. Now, 
these things are actual in in God's grace, but the fullness of his character is so important to be taught and to be learned, and also to be ministered to or served to other people. We're going to talk about that a little bit in God's wrath is what we're going to talk about today. And again, you don't hear many sermons talking about the wrath of God, but it's very real. And let me read a few scriptures from the Old Testament, as well as some things that we've already read in Revelation, if you've been with us. Isaiah 11:4 says, But with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And in 2 Thessalonians 2.8 it says, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Back in Psalms chapter 2, verse 9, it says, Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now the visuals are undeniable. This is ex- extreme wrath and violence and understanding that that is a balanced part of who God is because he is positioned against sin in that way and I know we've heard it many times it's a cliche it's so used it's almost abused that we love the person we hate the sin like God and those are true statements but the context has to be unraveled the the fullness of God has to be learned and taught because it's very very real There is a section in Revelation 14 that we just talked about in 17 to 20 of Revelation 14. It says, And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud voice to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city and the blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse's bridles, which is a very high level, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. So the scene that we started talking about in Revelation 19.15 provides this very graphic display of the wrath of God. It shows God's anger and judgment against sin and against those who have constantly rejected Christ as the means of forgiveness and reconciliation. God's wrath exists alongside of his mercy. In each generation, we have to have a balanced preaching and teaching about God's grace and his anger against sin. And as I touched on before, in our day and age, perhaps where you are, I I haven't traveled everywhere that this message is able to go. But I trust that in the end times, the end of this church age, that this infection and this um, lack of fully teaching the whole word is prevailing and prominent throughout all of the church and all of our world, we teach more about God's love and tolerance. We become, they become so predominant that God's anger seems to be mythical. In fact, maybe when you first heard me talking, saying that we were going to share about God's wrath, and when you read some of these things in Revelation, your mind right away takes into this something mythical and tries to make something other than literal sense out of it. But in actuality, it's very literal. It's very literal. 
A teaching about God's wrath might be watered down by some, but it's nevertheless real, and it will be terrible for those who steadfastly refused him. You see, in 1 Thessalonians 1.10, there's a verse of scripture, and I know there's we're doing a whole lot of talking about God's wrath and about how violent it is, how graphic it is. Now listen to 1 Thessalonians 1.10, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. The Amplified expounds upon that in a very respectful and integral way. It says, And how you look forward to and await the coming of his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who personally rescues and delivers us out of and from the wrath, the bringing punishment, which is coming upon, it's, it's impenitent, upon the impenitent and draws us to himself, investing us with all the privileges and rewards of a new life in Christ the Messiah. So in the midst of all of this that we're talking about in Revelation, you can even talk with Revelation to new believers. Some people feel that the book of Revelation is too deep to discuss with new believers, much like the book of Daniel, but that's not the case. All of these things are in layers, but the consistency of God's character is here as well. And you can use and share the book of Revelation to talk and demonstrate God's wrath is very real. It's coming. Remember Noah for over 120 years. He was a preacher or a minister of righteousness. In other words, the right way of living. And he was building that ark in a place where there was no ocean. They knew of no rain. He was criticized, I'm sure, scorned the whole time because of the rebellious spirit that was consuming mankind. And so discussing the wrath of God and not diluting it, but sharing it from the Word of God with love, but allowing the power of the Spirit of God to preach that to people is really, really important because the Spirit of God Himself will bring about the atmosphere of conviction. And the pivotal moment of choice, he will present the moment of decision to whomever you're sharing this with. It's very real. Unless people understand the wrath of God and that it's very real, why would they look for a safe haven? I'm sure Noah was sharing a lot of information about the waters that were to come. And that was foreign to the people there. But there were people who had ears that hear but still sided with the large group that was swaying against Noah and his family. But in commitment and demonstration and in consistency, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He beckoned and called and cried out that people would hear what was being said. And with that same zeal and that same passion, that same awareness of the truth of God, we need to take every opportunity that God gives us. Now, uh, every person is not an opportunity. You feel the Spirit of God lead you. You talk about casual events or uh, world events and see how the Spirit of God brings it around to eternal matters. You talk with a person and they can sense your character or his character flowing through you, that you're non-judgmental, that you're loving and caring, that you turn the other cheek when you're spitefully used and things are done wrong against you, and there becomes a distinction between you and other people, and people want that peace. They want that discernment. They want that refrain. They want that spirit of self-control, and they will inquire about what you have. So think about that. Those of us who have accepted Christ have been saved from that wrath. 
We are brought in by the blood of the Lamb and protected, much like in uh, the days when no, when Moses was told to put the blood over the doorposts of the houses and everyone in that house would be saved because of that obedience to what God had said from the angel of death. Everyone in that household was saved. Now, the ark that we're preaching today is the ark of Jesus Christ. We have to enter into him, enter into his life, abiding in him. But we have to know or hear that the, the doom is, is imminent. It's not if, it's not a theory, it's actual. And so as we're going through Revelation, I would like you to see the, the beginning and the end. The church I'm blessed to be able to attend now is called Calvary Calvary Chapel Church. They're all around the world. So if you have a Calvary Chapel Church, please engage. They're very consistent in their teaching and, and in, in their discipleship, very genuine very real and so look into those churches in your local area we're teaching in the services the pastors teaching about the book of Genesis line upon line and in the Bible study that he gives on Sunday nights he's teaching about the book of Revelation line upon line and so these bookends are very interesting to take in together for example, we're seeing the beginning of end of many things as you and I share this survey of the book of Revelation in Genesis versus Revelation. In Genesis, the sun is created. In Revelation, the sun is not needed. In Genesis, Satan is victorious. In Revelation, Satan is defeated. Sin enters the human race and sin is banished in Revelation. People run and hide from God in Genesis. People are invited to live with God forever in the book of Revelation. People are cursed in Genesis. The curse is removed in Revelation. Tears are shed with sorrow for sin in the beginning, but in the end, no more sin, no more tears or sorrow, praise God. The garden and earth are cursed in Genesis. God's city is glorified in Revelation. The earth is made new. Paradise is lost in Genesis, but paradise is regained in Revelation. People are doomed to death in Genesis, and death is defeated. Believers live forever with God. Hallelujah in Revelation. This book is worth surveying. The survey is just uh, reading it briefly through. Carefully consider what it's saying, and wherever you are, God has blessed you with the Bible. Or you can join this WhatsApp group. You will see cross-references. Cross-references are the first integral connectivity between the scripture you're reading and words in that scripture or the topic of that scripture and other verses of scripture in the Bible. I strongly encourage you to look at those. They're either in the center of your Bible, sometimes they're at the end of the verse, sometimes they're off to the side, but they'll be by each verse. You can write down the verse and then look up the cross-reference and write it down below it and look how they connect, look how they correlate. Oftentimes the cross-references will take you to the story that is being referred to. Oftentimes the cross-references will show you consistent use of that word so you can see other ways it's applied and you can have a greater meaning. So just the cross-reference system is useful in helping you to become a student of the Word of God, to study the Word. So in like manner with Revelation, look up the verses. Many of them are within Revelation because it's the culmination of events prophesied and uh, the, the pinnacle expression of the character of God. 
but look back and reflect. And as you keep reading the Bible every day, 15 minutes a day will get you through the entire Bible in a year. I even encourage you to, to kick that up a notch and do 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the evening. You will ingest and expose yourself to the Word of God twice through in a year and what this will do is it'll hide the word in your heart you'll learn to study more which means looking at the cross references and considering the sections of scripture as well as the chapter and the theme of that particular book in the bible little by little you'll build upon this you're entering into discipleship one of the reasons god has allowed for this and made a way for this ministry and other ministries to reach the world through the radio and through Radio Box, who's broadcasting Metro FM's signal throughout the world, is because of the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations. A disciple is a disciplined learner of the Word of God, someone who worships God and learns how to hear the Word. In the beginning, you just hear the Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God, and then reading the Word, and then studying and memorizing and meditating the Word of God. Your prayers will be more effective and fervent and according to the will of God as you pray the Word of God. And so we are surveying Revelation. We've talked about the wrath of God today, but also, as it says in 1 Thessalonians 1.10, wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. If you've been listening to this whole message, you're wondering if you are even saved. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home, but you've never personally accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've been playing Christian for a long time and people have accepted that because of the amount of years you've been seen at church or what have you. Might even be in leadership. Well, look, go through the ABCs with me right now in the sincerity of your heart. A, admission that you're a sinner. Sin means missing the mark, falling short of the glory of God, what God intended for your life. And most everyone by the Spirit of God will feel conviction that we're not living the life that God has called us to live. We're practicing things that go against what God wants for us. Just own that between you and God right now. Just admit it. Just admit that you are a sinner. B is to believe, but not just intellectually, because many have heard the message and the story of Jesus Christ's life. But believing means to trust and depend upon and rely on, lean on the truth that God made a way where there was no way through His Son, Jesus Christ. As much as you can today, you believe and trust in that right now. And as you learn more about Him, you will believe and trust in Him more. And see, confess. Now, of course, confess your sins to God. You can do that directly. But confession to the people who you're around, your family, your friends, that you've decided to follow Jesus, you're not turning back and also to those whom God has placed in your life so you know to be a practicing, Bible-believing Christian. Confess to them the decision you've made so they can surround you in fellowship, cover you with a hedge of protection of prayer, and lead you into discipleship with accountability and encouragement. I hope this has been very informative but impactful to you this evening. Remember, there's a reason God has rerouted the message today to discuss His wrath, but also that message of hope that is in 1 Thessalonians 1.10 and other places. If you want to join the WhatsApp group, all, all you have to do is call or text to this phone number, 260-97-583-6324. It's 260 
583-6324. When I see you join, I'll go ahead and forward the notes again, along with the link for this message after it is aired. May God bless you and keep you and guide you in your walk with Him, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.